Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. in this series you know I bring in special folks and have them preach it's some of the best preaching you get all year long I recognize that we do that on purpose and uh, it's been a lot of fun and I get to I like it because I get to listen to who I want to listen to and so it's pretty cool but I grew up in West Oklahoma and we used to have these things called camp meetings y'all don't know nothing about the kind of camp meetings we used to have we had these camp meetings where there was no air conditioning in June and July of August we had water coolers now some of you have that's not what you drink out of y'all young folks it was this device in the back that was supposed to keep us cool and all it did was draw some mosquitoes but anyway it was it wasn't the greatest environment we didn't have a bathroom in the building you had to go out to a bathroom place not in the woods there was actual building and, and stalls and all that kind of stuff but but it was just different but growing up in west oklahoma we had these camp meetings and it just so happens that i just decided that I, what i would get to do today to wrap this thing up and you're going to understand why here in just a minute was that I would get to bring in one of my favorite all-time camp meeting speakers. And so we brought in the, this couple. They're special to us, heroes to us. Pastor Mick and Teresa Snyder actually pastor a church just west of downtown Tulsa called Harvest or Passion North. We prefer Passion North, but they seem to want to stick with Harvest. I don't know what's wrong with them. I don't I can't figure it out. But Passion North. Anyway, they, they're pastoring up there. They stepped away from their church to come and be with us. We love them so much. You are going to have a blast this morning. And so this is what I asked First Service to do. I'm going to ask you to do the same. I want you to, first of all, I want you to give a huge Passion Church welcome, and then I want you to be easy to preach to as Pastor Mick Snyder comes and bring the word. Come on, let's make him welcome this morning. Thanks, man. Do it again. Praise the Lord. How good God is to us. It's a good day in the Lord. Thank God for his wonderful, matchless, marvelous grace. Well, I bring you greetings. I'm going to have to take this home and tell the folks at Harvest that, that we are now Passion North. I don't know how that's going to fly, but um, we haven't been harvested but just about two and a half, three years. So, so they they may they may have a little struggle adjusting to a name. But what's in a name anyway, except everything? Passion. What a name for a church to just imply that you all have a passion for Him, to know Him, and a passion to understand Him, and a passion to serve Him, and to tell others about him and we just are thrilled to be with you thank God for his goodness I remember those uh, days gone by some of you are not old enough to remember camp meetings at all some of us are old enough we can't remember all of them that we went to back in those days one year my son is is 28 gonna be 29 next month uh, he's my worship pastor and he's also a, a, a member of the Oklahoma Bar Association uh, makes his living as as an attorney and Thank God he's got a job and, and uh, taking care of my grandbaby. But uh, by the way, 25 years ago, I was preaching a revival meeting in this building. And somewhere in here, I'm standing in a pulpit. And during the altar service, after I've preached, 
my three-year-old one and only child son came to me and said, I want to be a Christian. That boy knelt down, gave his heart to the Lord, and has served Christ ever since. Now, somebody might say that can't be, but it did. It happened with him, and I thank the Lord for that. And so it's just a delight to be here. We honor your pastor and his lovely wife. Thank God for them and their leadership and for all that they're doing to uh, provide the goodness of God in your lives. I'm glad to have my wife with me. She traveled with me for 16 years as a national evangelist for the IPHC. And so she actually grew up in this thing, all right? Her father was a uh, pastor. Her grandfather was a deacon. Her great-grandfather was a preacher. So uh, she married when she knew what she was getting, or she should have known what she was getting into, all right? When she said, I do, she really didn't have a clue what she'd be doing. But nonetheless, she should have had some idea what ministry was about. But it's just a joy to be with you all, and we thank God for His goodness. I want to preach to you for a few minutes this morning out of the New Testament book of Colossians. I want to read from Colossians chapter number 1 and begin reading at verse number 14. When Pastor Steve contacted me about coming to preach in, in this series called The Generals, and he mentioned uh, a series last year, I believe, about the generals, and this was The Generals too. and immediately my mind went to, okay, what, what can I pull up about Abner and what can I talk about Joab? And then I came to understand it's not so much preaching about generals, but he, he's, he's got some of us older guys coming and preaching to you. And, and I appreciate so very much the opportunity to, uh, to be included in the uh, category and the likes of men like his own father and our own presiding bishop. I thank God for these men. And, and they're, they're individuals who provide... Um, those kind of exemplary lifestyles and models and role models for me to look up to as heroes. And I thank God for that. Uh, let's read together out of Colossians chapter number 1, beginning at verse 14. It's not the beginning of the sentence, but the whom refers to our Lord Jesus. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence for it pleased the father that in him should all fullness dwell and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. I love the Bible. Can somebody say amen to that? The Bible teaches us about the things of God, teaches us about God and about his plan of marvelous and glorious redemption. When we look into this passage, I see a word that I want to lift out of it and preach to you about the preeminence of Jesus Christ. The preeminence of 
of Christ. When we talk about preeminence, uh, let's pull the, uh, uh, the prefix out of there and understand that there are individuals who are eminent individuals. Some of you, if we were to talk about sports figures, some of you would say that Kevin Durant is an eminent sports figure. Who would say that? Not as many as I thought, okay. Um, some of you would say LeBron is an eminent sports figure. I didn't think I'd get much better response there. Uh, if, if we were to talk about religious individuals, we could talk about Dr. Billy Graham, the countless thousands, tens of thousands around the world who are now saved and in the kingdom and in heaven, on their way to heaven, because of that man, we would all agree he is an eminent religious figure. Or if we talked about uh, our brother Or Roberts, whose campaigns of healing and tent revivals around the globe have brought the healing power of Jesus to this generation, we would all agree that Dr. Roberts is an eminent religious figure. We could talk about political individuals, no matter what your party affiliation, we would all agree that the leader of the free world, the president of the United States, is an eminent uh, political individual. But about these individuals, it cannot be said that any of them, though all eminent, none of them are preeminent. For to be preeminent means that you are more than important, you are most important. It doesn't mean that you are simply significant, you are most significant. You are in a category unlike any other individual. And that's what the apostle is striving to tell us, that Jesus is in a category all by himself. He has preeminence in all things. When we look in this passage, the Bible tells us, first of all, in verse number 15, that he is preeminent in his likeness. There is no one else like Jesus. What we're singing here just a few moments ago, and I I'm thinking, God, there is no one like your son, Jesus. The crowds gather and they worship their gods. They worship their leaders. They, they, they sing for them. They shout for them. But there is no one who receives the kind of praise that the son of the eternal God receives when the saints of the Lord gather in a room like this and we make music and melody in our hearts and sing out his praises. He is preeminent in his likeness. There is no one else quite like him. The Bible teaches us that here in this verse, he's the image of God, which says that if we're ever going to see God, we'll have to see God in Jesus Christ. God reveals himself in his son, Jesus Christ. In the olden days, he revealed himself through the sages and the saints and the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us and revealed himself to us by his own darling son, Jesus. He is preeminent in likeness. There is no one else like him. The Bible tells us that he is the brightness of God's glory and the express image of God's divine person. There is no one else like the Lord Jesus. I'm old enough to remember the camp meetings that Pastor Steve alluded to a little while ago. I remember camp meetings before Pastor Steve came along into this world, okay? But I want you to understand that in those camp meetings, we could, in those days especially, we could take five or ten words and sing seemingly five or ten hours. We could just just go and go. And that's one thing I've never understood about my generation and prior, why folks got hung up on singing some choruses over and again. We did the same thing years gone by. It was just different words and a different tune. But nonetheless, they would take words like, never been a man like Jesus. 
he rolled my burdens away. And they would just sing and sing. And I've been in those settings where they would sing, Can't nobody do me like Jesus. That's not good English, but it sure is good theology, okay? Can't nobody do me like Jesus. He's my friend. And we would just sing and magnify him. Why? Because he is in a category like no one else. There is no one else like the Lord Jesus. He is the image of God. So if the world is ever going to see God, they must see him in Jesus. If they're going to see Jesus, they must see him in us. He is preeminent in his likeness. In verse number 15, the Bible tells us he's the firstborn of every creature, which tells us that he is preeminent in his authority. Take a little poll here. How many of you are the oldest? You're the firstborn among your siblings. You're the oldest child in your family. Hold your hand up there and look, everybody look around at this crowd. You know who they are? These are the bossy ones in our families. All right, they're the ones who know everything. They've been around longer than anybody. And, and, and they're trying to get over the fact that they didn't get by with what some of the rest of us got by with. And, and they're, they're struggling with that. But nonetheless, we love them. How many of you are, uh, are not the oldest, but you're not the youngest? You're, you're one of those middle children. Bless your hearts. These are the forgotten children. These, these are the ones that when the church services are over, they got left on the church seats. And mom and dad had to call the pastor and see, can we get back in? We forgot Janie. We forgot Joey. He's asleep. And, and, and those are the ones that they don't have as many pictures in mom's photo box and photo albums as the rest of us because whatever. And how many of you are the, the baby of the family? A baby married a baby. Somebody said, oh, you're spoiled rotten. We're just well cared for. We, un we understand the difference. My mom is, is pushing closer to 80 years old, and I'm nowhere close to 80 years old. And, and uh, the older she gets, the older I get, the more I have an appreciation for her introducing me as, this is my baby. Now, one time that bothered me. It don't bother me anymore. I have an appreciation for all. And I, I look at my older sister and I say, anything I can get out of that, I'm going to accept Anything that calling me the baby will get for me, I'm just going to let it happen and thank you, Jesus. Can somebody say amen to that? But there's something about the oldest in the economy of God. When the father of an Israelite household were to pass, the firstborn child was then summoned to rise to that place of position of being the clan leader or being the, the family leader. And with those responsibilities came certain privileges as well. But nonetheless, there was a place of authority given to the firstborn child. And I would tell you that Jesus Christ is the firstborn of the dead. He is the firstborn of every creature. He is the first one who lived and died and was resurrected to never die again. He's in a category all by himself but he is preeminent in his authority. When he speaks he speaks with authority. His would-be captors came to him. They wanted to take him and twist his words but they only returned to those who sent them and said never a man spake like this man. He preaches like the Sadducees can't and he teaches us like the Pharisees are incapable 
capable of doing why when this man speaks things happen he speaks and devils flee and he speaks and darkness goes away and he speaks and, and disease is gone and he speaks and troubled hearts are mended and relationships are put back together there's something about this man Jesus he is like none other it is because he is preeminent in his authority I'm glad to tell you he has authority today give him that authority and place of authority in your life and let him speak into your need and let him minister to you for what he says actually takes place and comes to pass because he is preeminent in authority you continue reading in that passage in verse number 16 the Bible teaches us that he is preeminent in creation John chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and that life was the light of men he's preeminent in creation we still believe God created everything can you say amen to that I know that rips a lot of folks you know, apart to tell them that we believe that God simply said, let there be, and there was. But that's what this book says, and we still believe it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and His darling Son, Jesus, was there with Him in the eons of eternity past when He stepped out on nothing but thin air and said, let there be, and suddenly there was. And the light begins to shine, and the darkness is separated from it and the waters that were there in chaotic state they are now bringing forth dry land in separated fashion and we begin to see fruits and vegetables and leaves and trees and herbs and they're all appearing and the livestock are appearing and the birds are filling the heavens and the fish are filling the seas why? because of him who is preeminent in creation and everything that was created was created for his honor to bring glory under his majestic name his name is Jesus and he is preeminent in all of creation I don't understand some things but I believe everything this book teaches us but I, I, I know some things about creation that I don't understand I don't understand why when God created things that he created this planet and called it earth I don't understand why he didn't set it on a 90 degree I would have that just seems simpler to me uh, but he didn't. He tilts it over and puts it at like a 23.4 degree tilt. And then he sets it spinning at, its, at the same speed that it's been spinning ever since. He just gave it a little twirl. And while it's spinning there on its axis, it is also, while it is, it is now rotating, it is likewise revolving around the sun it's rotating at the speed so that it gives us 24 hours every day and it is revolving at the speed so it takes 365 of those days to make one year and it sits on that line of axis and the tilt of it so that we can have four different seasons I want you to know I don't understand all of that but I do know this that everything in creation is there for the glory of him who is preeminent it's not so that people will wonder wow how far is the earth from the sun 
93 billion miles. That's not what's so important. It's the fact that there's a God who put it that far from the sun. Why was that important? Because if we were any closer, we'd burn up. And if we were any further, we would freeze to death. But God knew that in His Son, who is the Creator, is preeminent. He understands all of that. God's Son is preeminent in creation. Aren't you glad He made everything? Aren't you glad you don't have to worry about the sun coming up tomorrow? And you don't have to worry about that big... Did you see the big moon last night? We're sitting in a place like last evening, and there's a lady who said, It's a lover's moon. She and my wife were ganging up on her husband and me. And she said, It's a lover's moon. You fellas need to, you need to go buy some roses. And at that hour and that day and that locale, I'm saying... Research is still open. I can go and, and stop by the, 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 the grocery store and pick up a rose. And one rose turned into a whole lot more stuff. You, you know how that, how that, how that happens. But none, nonetheless, when you see that moon tonight, take note of where it is. Get you, get you a place where you can see it's right there in relationship to that pole, that building, that house, whatever. And in 24 hours, plus give it four more minutes. It'll be exactly right back there where it was. And the next night, give it an extra four more minutes and it'll be right back there. What is all that about? It is about the fact that there is a creator who set it all in motion. It did not just happen to take place like that. And it's not done to create attention or draw attention to the creation it is done to draw attention to the Creator because He is preeminent in creation. That's why I'm convinced we're seeing so many things happening in the, in the weather world. It is the fact that the creation is crying and groaning for the return of its Creator, longing for the moment when the sinless Savior, the Son of the eternal God, will split the eastern sky and come back into this world to ransom those who are His own. You continue reading in the Scripture, and the Bible teaches us that Jesus is preeminent in this wonderful book we call the Bible. How many of you read the Bible? How many of you have a Bible? All right, if you don't have a Bible, you ought to get one. If you can't get one, if you'll let us know, we, we, we can see to it that, that you can get a Bible. If you can't read the Bible, we can get you some help where you can learn to read the Bible. Everybody ought to love the Word of God. But know this, when you're reading this book, this is not a book to teach you how to get rich quick. This is not a book to teach you how to win friends and influence people. This is not a book. I'm, I'm not downing anything. I, I, I like to be as positive as I can. But this book is about something more than just being positive in your attitude. It's about something more than just simply being loving in your relationships. This is a book that is a revelation of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a book that shows us that there is one way to get to heaven, and that is through the blood of Jesus who died upon that cross and spilled His life as an atonement for our sins. He is preeminent in the Scripture. He taught His hearers one day, according to John chapter 5, He said, search the Scripture because they are they that testify of me. So if you want to read about me, look in the book. If you want to understand more about me, look in the book. If you want to get to know me, spend time with me, but learn about me in the book. Everywhere you read, 
you can read about the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old or the New Testament. If you go into the Old Testament in the book of Genesis, he's the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the anointed high priest. And in Numbers, he's a brazen serpent. In Deuteronomy, he's a prophet like Moses. In Joshua, he's the captain of the Lord's host. In Judges, he's a messenger of Jehovah. In Ruth, he's a kinsman redeemer. In 1 Samuel, he's a great judge. In 2 Samuel, he's the seed of David. In 1 Kings, he's the Lord God of Israel. And in 2 Kings, he's a God of the cherubim. In 1 Chronicles, he's the God of our salvation. In 2 Chronicles, the God of our fathers. In Ezra, he's the Lord of heaven and earth. And in Nehemiah, he's a covenant-keeping God. Everywhere you read, you can read about Jesus. If you're reading in the Bible, he's preeminent in Scripture. In, Ex in Esther, he is the God of providence. In Job, he's a living redeemer. In Psalms, he's the Holy One. In Proverbs, he's the wisdom of God. In Ecclesiastes, he's the one who is above 10,000 and above the sun in Ecclesiastes the one above the sun and there in the song of Solomon the chiefest of 10,000 in Isaiah he's the virgin born one who comes as the the wonderful counselor the mighty God the everlasting father and the prince of peace in Jeremiah he's the Lord our righteousness in Lamentations he's a faithful and a compassionate God in Ezekiel he's the Lord who is here in Daniel he's a fourth man in the fiery furnace in Hosea, he's the king of the resurrection. And in Joel, he's a giver of the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he's the God of hosts and of the plumb line. And in Obadiah, he's a destroyer of those that are proud. Jonah reveals he's a risen prophet. And in the book of Micah, he's the God of Jacob. In Nahum, he's the avenging God and a bringer of good news. In Habakkuk, he's the anointed one. In Zephaniah, the king of Israel. In Haggai, he's a desire of all nations. In Zechariah, he's the king of the earth. In Mount Malachi, he's the Lord of remembrance and he is the one who will descend from heaven with healing in his wings. I'm glad to tell you he's in the Old Testament. Everywhere you read, every page you look, you can find him. Just look for him. Someone would say, oh, I don't like to read the Old Testament. It's so full of types and shadows. But a writer of song years gone by said, standing somewhere in the shadows you'll find Jesus. He's the one who always knows and understands. Standing somewhere in in those shadows you'll find him and you'll know him by the nail prints in his hands but that's the Old Testament lay it aside for a moment and move into the New Testament the Bible said in Matthew he's a king and in Mark he's a servant in Luke he's a man and in John he's the eternal God in Acts he's the ascended Lord in Romans he's my righteousness in 1st Corinthians our resurrection in 2nd Corinthians the God of all comfort in Galatians he's a redeemer from the law in Ephesians he's the the head of the church in Philippians a supplier of our every need in Colossians he's the fullness of the Godhead in first Thessalonians he's a coming Christ in the second book he's a consuming Christ in first Timothy he's a mediator in the second book he is the righteous judge in Titus he's a great God and Savior in Philemon he's a payer of our sin debt and in Hebrews he's the heir of all things and a faithful high priest and he's the captain of our salvation and the great shepherd of the sheep James tells us he's the great physician. And 1 Peter, he's the Lord of glory. And 
2 Peter, he's God's beloved son. In the three general epistles of John, he's the word of life and the truth and the son of the Father. And in Jude, he's a preserver and the only wise God. And in Revelation, you can listen to him. And he says to us, if you want to know who I am, I'll tell you, I am the first and I'm the last. I am the resurrection and I am the life. I hear him say, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. And he tells us, I am he who was dead, but behold, I'm alive forever. And I've got the keys of death and of hell. I'm telling you, he's alive. And you see him there in the 19th chapter. And on his head are many crowns and a vesture dipped in blood and a sash written that no man understood it. But there was a name, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And with a wonderful movement of his hand, the white horse cavalcade comes back into this world and destroys the Antichrist. Why? Because he who rides upon that charger is preeminent in the book and everything that he promised he'll do he's going to bring it to pass he is preeminent in the scripture aren't you glad that he is in the word of God this is the word of our father hallelujah hallelujah to his name you read in the 17th verse and the Bible says to us there he's before all things well he's after all things so he must be preeminent in eternity it must be that eternity is always present tense there is a segment of eternity that the Bible refers to as time so if you will the Bible tells us here and I want I want you to understand here's your homework assignment all right when and this is an assignment that will last from now till Jesus comes all right be a student of the Word of God say amen to that fall in love with the God of this book and love to read the book of our God and you'll understand more and more about Jesus but here the Bible tells us something about him in Hebrews chapter 7 verses 1 through 3 talks about Melchizedek the king of Salem prince of the most high God who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all first being by interpretation king of righteousness and after that also king of Salem which is king of peace here's what I want you to, to think on Melchizedek was without father without mother without descent having neither beginning of days nor end of life but he was made like unto the Son of God and he abides a priest continually there are there are a couple of priesthoods there's the Old Testament uh, Aaronic priesthood brother of Moses the prophet of Israel that priesthood had a beginning it ran its course and it had as an end but there is another priesthood order the order of Melchizedek there is no record of his birth nor of his death there is no record of his parentage or of his offspring it just seems like he just always has been and always was and always is and so the record here tells us that he was made like unto the Son of God. There is no point that you can ever find where the Son of God was not. There is no point that you'll ever see where he will not be. In the eons of eternity past, through the eons of eternity yet to come, Jesus Christ lives in the eternal realm. That's why he's able to say, before Abraham was, I am. 
That's why God reveals Himself in that Old Testament passage, I am that I am. Not I was, not I will be, but I am that I am. Here's, here's the picture. In eternity past, Jesus Christ is in eternity with the Father and the Holy Ghost. But the Bible tells us in the New Testament passage, when the fullness of time was come. So out of that long span of eternity that goes forever and ever back and forever and ever forward, somewhere in that, God has pulled a small section, a segment of time, and named it time. A segment of eternity and named it time. And in the fullness of time, God's darling Son comes walking out of eternity down into time. And when the fullness of time had come, according to the Scripture, God's darling Son is nailed to a cross and He yields His life to make atonement for our sins and He died and then He was buried and on the third day He rose from the dead and He showed Himself alive after His passion with many infallible proofs but there came a moment in time when a glory cloud from on high descends and Jesus steps back into that cloud and He departs out of time and goes back up into eternity and the Bible said from there He ever liveth to make intercession for the saints. There is the language of eternality. He always was, always is, and always will be. No wonder the Hebrew author said Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. He is preeminent in eternity. There's never been a human need that He wasn't available to help. And there'll never come a moment when we have a need that He will not be there for each of us. He is preeminent in eternity. In verse 17, the Bible said, By Him all things consist. So it teaches us that He is preeminent in His power. There is no power like the power of God. Have you ever been touched by the power of God? Have you ever experienced the touch of His power? There is power sufficient in this room that if you're sick in your body, you can be healed. There is power sufficient in the Lord Jesus Christ that if you are carrying a heavy burden, He can lighten your load right here today. There is power sufficient in the Lord Jesus that if your relationship is on the rocks, He can remove the rocks and set you on a wonderful smooth path again. He has power to forgive every sin that you've ever committed. Wait a minute, preacher. You don't know what I've done. I'm not asking what you've done. I've come to tell you what He did. He died on a cross and shed His blood and offered Himself as a substitution, as a sacrifice. He became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He is preeminent in this wonderful, wonderful power. He can do what you have need of today. So whatever your need, whatever your need, rest assured there is one who is preeminent, who is able to meet and provide for that need. You read then in verse number 18. The Bible says to us. That he's the head of the body. He's the head of the body. Which is the church. Question. How many of you have ever had a surgery? 
We're, we're not going to ask details, okay? And don't anybody get excited and start unbuttoning buttons to start showing us scars because we don't want to see them. How many of you have had a surgery in which something with which you were born was removed and you don't have it anymore? Okay, again, we're not asking details. But your, your evidence that it is possible to live without portions of your anatomy. The truth be known. Some folks got here with their tonsils and they don't have them now. Some folks got here with five fingers and, and, and they were under the hood and somebody turned the key and now they're living without a finger. Some live without a toe. Some whatever. But you cannot live separated from your head. You cannot live without your head. Now I know a lot of folks who apparently are trying to live without using their brain but you really can't do that. The, the brain is the center of it all. Isn't it amazing? When you read, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and that double handful of mush up in there tells my body what to do and when and how long. It's amazing. Again, it's all pointing to the preeminent one. It's not that my body's amazing. It's the one who made it who is so amazing to me. It is the one who made me, where I stand in awe of how he did it and, and how wonderful it is. And I give him glory and give him praise. But he is the one who is preeminent in the church. You see, without my head, my body just won't function well. It won't function at all. Now, we can have church and do church but we can't be the church without the head. We can, we can do church because we, we know how to jump, we know how to skip, we know how to sing, and we know how to gyrate. And we, we, we know how to do church. We can do church without the head. But we can't be the church because it is in Him that we live and move and have our being. So we cannot function without the proper connection to the head which says that if he's the head he's the part of us that we can't live without that means that I'm not the most important thing about the church how many of you already knew that now here's, here's your chance to help somebody else understand this look at somebody next to you and just tell them say you're not the most important thing about the church would you do that you're not I'm not. He is. You see, I don't, I, I don't want this to happen, Pastor, because it would mess things up for my wife. She'd have to cry all the way to the bank if I dropped dead right now. But, and it would mess things up for you because folks would say, what happened over there? Brother Mick died in the pulpit at Passion Church. I, but if I died right now, this church would go right on, never skip a beat. That crowd that I preach to on Sundays and, and, and work with over there, oh, they they cry. And then they're going to vote somebody else in. And they're going to get somebody else. And they're going to keep right on going. Why? Because it's not about me. Amen? It's not about me. So if it's not about me, I don't have to be happy with everything. As long as he's happy with everything. Because it's all about him. Wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody could just get that little, that little truth? That since it's not about me, I don't have to like everything. 
what a relief. I thought I had to approve of everything. I thought, I, ha I thought everybody had to live to make me happy. What a release that is to my spirit. Now, if, if we understand that, that he is the preeminent one in the church, then everything that goes on, I, I, I don't have to like it. I don't have to approve of it. I, I don't have to appreciate it. As long as it honors him and brings glory to his name, as long as he is exalted, as long as he is allowed to move and draw people by his spirit, as long as he is, is saving folks and delivering people, that's, that's what it's all about. So I don't have to like whether the preacher preaches fast or slow. I don't have to like whether the pre or worry about whether the preacher is one who really stomps and snorts or, or one who just stands up and lectures. I don't have to wonder about whether I like the music or don't like the music whether it's a fast beat for me or, or whether I can really get into it and, and it's not a matter of whether I like all the words it's not a matter of whether I like the drums and, and, and those new things that they got I, I don't know if I like all that stuff it's not a matter of whether I like it or not it's not about me somebody said amen to that it's a matter of let's exalt him who is preeminent in the church so it's not about preachers and it's not about deacons and elders and it's not about teachers and apostles and prophets and, and evangelists it's all about him him who is the head of the body, the Lord of the lampstand, the Christ of the candlestick. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's preeminent in the church. So Diotrephes, who love to have the preeminence, can just take a back seat. And the scribes and the Pharisees, who love the chief seats, and the high chairs in the synagogues can just take it easy and sit wherever they can because it's all about the Lord Jesus. Then, then finally, I would tell you this. In verses 14 and 20 through 22 he's preeminent in salvation let's understand something about salvation how many of you are saved and glad about it don't you feel, don't you feel sorry for somebody that got saved and got over it you know I, I, I don't understand I, I thank God I get saved again every time somebody gets saved when, when somebody walks down, down an aisle at, at harvest and, and my, my prayer is that just a little while ago I'm hoping I'll get a report later on Somebody got saved today. I, I, that's, that's what we live for. That, that's a passion in my heart. To see people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. But understand this. Salvation is, is not about me and whether I preached good that day. Salvation is all in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some folks say, well, I'm saved because I, I go to church. Going to church isn't good enough. I, I'm saved because I got baptized three times. That's not good enough. I'm saved because I got baptized in a certain formula, and that's what it's all about. That's not good enough. You see, salvation is, is not me doing good because I can't do it good enough to get saved. Salvation is not a matter of me refusing and stop doing the things that are bad. I can't stop doing enough bad things and start doing enough good things to be saved. I cannot save myself. The writer of an old hymn years gone by asked the question, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's all in the name of Jesus. It's not in the name of Mick. It's not in the name of an IPHC congregation. It's not in the name of good men or 
evil men. It is all in the name of him who has preeminence in salvation. For there is one who died on the cross, who became our substitute and our sacrifice, who took upon himself the nature of us all and became sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. There is one who is preeminent in salvation. The Bible teaches us this. In the book of Philippians chapter 2. It said God hath given him a name. Not, not just any name. An exalted name. No, not just an exalted name. God has given him a highly exalted name. There's the language of preeminence. A highly exalted name. That at the mention of that name of Jesus. That every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. Whether the knees and the tongues are in heaven or in the earth or beneath the earth. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. That, say it with me, Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? Because he's preeminent. It's all about him. Hear me well, and I wrap this up. This thing is about Jesus not about us it's not about me it's about him so I must do all that I do to exalt him so we sing to exalt him we pray to exalt him we witness to exalt him we surrender and serve and work and labor and everything to exalt him because he is preeminent in all things. Father, hear us as we close the preaching of your word and grant to us that the Holy Ghost would move upon our spirits, that you would cause us, true to the name of this great church, cause us to have passion, to demonstrate and display and declare to this world about the preeminence of your son Jesus Lord may there be a divine discontent to grip our hearts that we would no longer be content to only have the presence of Jesus with us Lord let the presence of Jesus move us to a place that we say he must have prominence in my life and let that growth process lead us to the place that He is not only present and become prominent, but bring us to that place in our full surrender to You that Jesus is preeminent in all things where we're concerned. And I pray this for Your honor. And I pray this for Your glory. And I wonder, could You just lift a hand with me right where You are? To strike a posture of, of surrender. To out of your heart cry out, Jesus, be preeminent in me. Come into every part of my life. Enter every dark room and every corridor. Come in. Cleanse me afresh. Renew me by your Holy Spirit. And rise from presence to prominence 
to preeminence because I cannot live without you. I have a passion to know you, to experience you, and to make you known to others. Be preeminent in each of us, I pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. If you're here this morning, you say, Steve, I don't know this Jesus that Pastor Mick has been teaching us about, and I recognize my need for him. And I want to ask him to come into my heart and become the king of my heart, make him preeminent in my heart. If that's you, we will not embarrass you. We just want to be able to pray intelligently. If that's you, would you just slip up a hand? You can pull it right back down so that we make sure that we're all in this together and that we're where we need to be. Father, search our hearts right now. If there's one, you can lift it and pull it right back down. I promise we won't embarrass you. Father, search our hearts this morning. I pray that we would live like you're the most important thing. I pray that our lives would be marked by that truth today. That our decisions, our choices, our attitudes would reflect that we're not as important as you you are the most important and so father I pray that throughout the course of this week we would check in with you because you're the boss and we give you preeminence in our life in Jesus name and everybody said amen would you do me a big favor and it's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.